It's my first time. You're new here, aren't you? First time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. Not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Babylon 5 for the first time. I'm Brent Allen, and I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the first time. We are two veteran Star Trek podcasters who have collectively produced nearly 1,500 episodes of podcasts, most of them about Star Trek, and we are watching Babylon 5 for the very first time making a podcast about this show and what we've decided to do is take that analytical lens we've gained as star trek podcasters and apply it to another sci-fi show to see if this show holds up that same mirror to society does it give us a hope for the future and do we like this series and while this is not a podcast about star trek we are star trek podcasters and so those references are going to creep up from time to time so we play the rule of three that means each one of us get three references to Star Trek per episode. That's it. Three. One of those three. No substitutions, exchanges, or refunds. <laughs> now, Brent, I've got some great news for you. What's that? We've got a five-star review. Oh, yes. This one's on Apple Podcasts. It's from Pierre Hugo. And Pierre Hugo says, I'm a big fan of the Babylon 5 series. I think I've listened to each episode at least 47 times. Ah. Yeah. Thanks ah. for the sub- <laughs> Which, I mean, I, I'm willing to lay down some money right now. Pierre Hugo is also a fan of Beam Me Up, a, a Star Trek podcast. That's a little line of yours, isn't it? That'd be awesome. Yeah. We, oh, we, tra- we tracked all the 47s. Yeah. That's uh, good. Totally. That's a, that's a great, that's a great deep cut. I like it. Pierre Hugo goes on to say, that's, you know what that's like? I'm sorry, Jeff. You know what that's like? Hmm. That's like, that's like what we call Club 65. Exactly. Like, if you know what Club 65 is, you're in the club. If you don't know what Club 65 is, you're, like it's it, it's a fight club thing. Like if you know, you know. If you don't, then you don't. And how do you know? Well, you know. Well, Pierre Hugo, Pierre Hugo goes on to say, thanks to this superb podcast, I can relive this superb series through their eyes as if it were the first time. They even allowed me to see certain episodes from a different perspective. Thank you very much for what you do. Well, Pierre, you're very welcome for what we do. Uh, yeah, that's I, that's a big big part of the whole thing is trying to see it through the eyes of a first time. You know what I'm recently becoming, I think aware of though, Jeff hmm. is, you know, it's gotta be just as good as the first time. What's that? The second time. I think the second time is almost like maybe almost a little, better, right? Yeah. A little bit. Cause, cause then we'll know what everybody else knows. And then we'll be able to watch and pick up all the stuff that we're like missing, you know, the first time around. So Exactly. Well, hey, I've got one more for us today, and it's another five-star review. Oh, yes. Also on Apple Podcasts, this one's from Wacky Vorlon, and I'm pretty sure we've shared some tweets from Wacky Vorlon in the past on here. That's a name you don't forget. What's up, Wacky? Wacky says, this is probably my favorite podcast right now. I love that they do a deep discussion of the episode, something which Babylon 5 has always sparked. Their insights as fan of other works of science fiction help them see what Babylon 5 does well and how it fits into the larger genre. Highly recommend. I eagerly await each new episode. There's so many scenes that I'm excited to hear their reaction to. Awesome, Waggy. Thank you so much. And uh, we're excited to get there and give you those scenes, even though if we don't know what they are. So, hey, Jeff, you know, uh, we, we play our games here on the show. 
We sure do. Along with the rule of three, we've got a few others. But this game is one where we like to try to guess what next week's episode is going to be based on title alone. Never having seen it before, never reading show descriptions, not even looking at thumbnails or anything like that. Just what does the title tell you it's going to be about? And this is the part of the show where it's time to pay the piper and see exactly how close we got or how far away we got last week. So, Jeff, do you want to go first or should I? Talking about divided loyalties, because this is a fun one. Well, I think on this one, we get to not only divide loyalties, we get to divide full credit on this one. Nailed it. I mean, yeah. oh yeah. my gosh, so, someone's got, like, yeah. I mean, so so hmm. at first, well, in the order we went last week, first I said this was going to be a Londo episode, and it had to do with him being divided between Centauri and like what's right and all that kind of stuff. That's completely not what this was about. And then you said... I think it's Talia Winters, and you you are going more down the the idea of she's removing the pin and she's separating herself from Psychor. Yeah, that and right? Night Watch. I thought Night Watch was going to be a part of it more than it was. Oh, I forgot about Night Watch. Yeah, yeah. And then and then that triggered something in me because I I've been sitting here thinking like Doctor Doctor Kyle, Lita Alexander, Michael Sinclair, these characters who have kind of come and gone like they haven't killed them, so they're still out there somewhere. And we saw Sinclair come back that one time. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was just like, oh, but if Talia goes away, they're gonna have to send a new Psychor representative to the station. What if that was Lita coming back? Oh my god, I nailed Lita. Now, again, that came in a completely different context than what I thought. Because I thought she would be coming in to replace Talia. Not expose her. Not like... expose her as a Manchurian candidate. Jeez. But still, about Talia, Psychor, and we got Lita. Like, that's full marks, man, right? Yeah, that's about as close as you can get when you're yeah. literally grabbing stuff out of the air <laughs> without actually watching the episode and cheating. That's that's pretty close. Yeah, that's pretty close. So we're like, well, like we're like three weeks count. We're a couple three weeks away from the end of the second season, which puts us about a month away from our season two wrap up special that's, episode. That's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. We're already here. I still remember you and I, I think we were even talking on Twitter. We weren't even texting yet. And it's like, do you want to try this podcast? Like, what do you think about this? And we're about to wrap the second season. Jeff, that's going to put us 40% of the way through the show. Wow. Like we're almost halfway through. That's pretty wild. Almost. Oh my gosh. So we're going to celebrate. We had an incredible season one wrap up that was a lot of fun. And we're going to do the same thing for season two. Yeah. Including Jeff. I don't have another B five to give away. Wash sent me one and I'm keeping this one. He sent me a second one because he's just an awesome dude, but I'm not giving this one away. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Trevor got the last one. Loved it. It's Mm -hmm. cool. You can have this one. I suppose that's fine, Mm -hmm. but we do have something else we're going to give away. Yeah, we do. We do. And I have it right here. If you guys out there, uh, speaking of YouTube, go to YouTube and you watch this, this little series we have out there called Brent watches which is literally me watching the episode for the very first time, having my reactions to it. Super fun show. That one's got like its whole deal. Like there's most of the people that watch that show, turn over and watch this one. But there are a few people who are just that fans of that show. Anyway, I have a different camera angle for that particular episode. And so that angle actually shows what's up here on my wall. And this is what we're giving away. Let me reach over and pull it into the camera for those on YouTube watching for those listening to the audio feed, we'll just have to describe it. But there is this. I present to you a Captain John Sheridan Babylon 5 action figure complete with teeny tiny Babylon 5 station. 
that goes right next to it. This is uh, printed from the 1997 uh, set. Oh. Printed from 97, still in box. Um, but I was able to pick up one of these, and we're going to give this guy away. It's a fun. This is fun. This is cool, man. That's super cool. Jeff, we're going to be giving this away during our season two wrap up. How are we going to give this away? Well, it worked out really well for the first season. We're going to do the same thing as we did last time. So go to Apple Podcasts, go to uh, Good Pods, go to uh, Podchaser, uh, Audible, wherever. Leave us a review. Screenshot that review and send it to us. You can either send it to us on Twitter at Babylon First. Or email it to us, babylon5first at gmail.com. It's a number five and the word first at gmail.com. And you'll be entered in the giveaway. And because we had a lot of people who entered in the first season and who've been doing reviews um, since that time as well, we're going to include all of those in the drawing. So basically everybody but Trevor. Yeah. He wouldn't that. Yeah. I think that's our little must can only win once. Can only win once. Also cannot work for the podcast. Damn. to win yeah Bryn, Bryn Bryn Talon was that their name yeah also Bryn, Bryn Talon is an awesome awesome person and we absolutely should have allowed that drawing to stand sure okay fine but yeah check it out get ready for the wrap up get your reviews in as soon as you can at Babylon first on Twitter Babylon five first at gmail.com looking forward to getting them and I'm excited to do the giveaway that'll be cool you know what I'm excited to do Jeff what's that Get in to talk about this episode. Let's do it. So for those out there who may not have seen this episode in a while, or maybe those who are just listening and haven't really watched the episode, or maybe you're watching us on YouTube and you haven't gone back and reviewed the episode that we're talking about today, Divided Loyalties, Jeff, remind everybody out there what happened in this week's episode. They say that in television, no one is ever truly dead or gone. Well, that seems to be especially true on Babylon 5. See, a blowed up ship comes through the jump gate and the only survivor on board is none other than Lita Alexander. Who? Who's that you ask? Oh, well, luckily Garibaldi's right there to remind us that she was the telepath on the station for the pilot episode, the gathering. He doesn't actually say that he talks about it in context, but for us, I'll shorthand it and say the gathering. Yeah, it's that Lita Alexander. Well, she is in a bad way. So Franklin is going to have at her. And hopefully she doesn't have any cultural beliefs or anything that he can ignore that ends with her dying. Speaking of dying, Talia and Ivanova have been dying to spend more time together. Conveniently, there's some work being done on her quarters, and Ivanova offers for Talia to stay with her. They chat. Talia showers. At one point, Talia wakes up and feels for Ivanova in the bed, but she's not there. Why would she be there? Unless... Oh, oh, okay. Okay. I see. Didn't realize there was more to their story, but here we are. Well, shockingly, Franklin doesn't kill Lita and she demands to meet with all of the command staff together. She explains that Psychor can plant a personality inside someone's brain that by sending a password telepathically can be activated, killing the person's normal personality and completely taking over. That's pretty terrifying. Even more terrifying, some mercenary rebel-looking dudes on Mars slipped her a data crystal earlier in the episode that told her the password and that one of the Earth Force people on B5 have been implanted with a sleeper personality. And the only way to find out who it is is to have Lita use her P 
pain eyes to send the password and see who activates. Immediately, Ivanova is not cool with this. She's been anti-Psychor since her first episode and has threatened to resign before letting anyone scan her, even if that someone was Jeffrey Combs. Sheridan pushes her, though, and she drops a bomb. Susan Ivanova is a latent telepath. Sheridan's cool about it, though. Says he's going to authorize the brute force password hack on station personnel, but to hold off on getting it to her for as long as he can. And he does. We get a parade of station personnel with Sheridan, either giving them some positive feedback or just, you know, kind of looking at him for a few seconds awkwardly. While Lita flashes her pain eyes. Garibaldi is the man, though, and does not miss an opportunity to be hilarious. But after a long day, nobody's activating. Looks like Lita's going to have to scan Ivanova. Just as she clears her, Talia walks in, gets the pain eyes, and screams, Father! The sleeper has awakened. It's Talia. Talia has the evil Psychor personality. Looks like, though, they're just going to let her leave the station, even though she, like, knows all kinds of stuff, like the Underground Railroad and, and who knows what else. But luckily, they hadn't invited her into their fifth-column little conspiracy group yet, though. She says some super mean things to Ivanova before she leaves, but Ivanova, as she will, gets the last word and proves that she is awesome. But that's not the end for Lita Alexander. If you watch The Gathering and are still with us, you'll remember she scanned Kosh when he was unconscious. She says that she has locked away that memory deep in her mind. But sometimes, late at night, she opens the door to it so she can hear the song again. Then she asks Kosh if she can see him again. Without hesitation, he strips and she stares at him in awe, proving that once you go Vorlon, you'll never go Humon. Now, Brent, what was your reaction to Divided Loyalties? Once you go Vorlon, you'll never go Humon? Uh-huh. Does that count as a... Jeff, if that's... if that No, you're getting, you're getting a free pass on that one because that's got to be our next t-shirt. <laughs> Like, once you go Vorlon, you'll never go human. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It took me an alarming amount of time to come up with that. Just so you know. Did it really? It, that, yeah. that just didn't come to you. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Uh, uh, Jeff, I liked this episode. At first, I didn't, but then I did. And let me explain. Yeah. Or a couple episodes ago, I, I, I man, I've, I've been going on, down about this, the redemption of Londo. And they've got to turn it. There's this Narn Centauri war and there's all this stuff. And there's got to be a point, the the whole shadows, all of that situation. Like we've got to start moving that direction. We've got to get there. I know there's Psychor. I know there's the earth thing going on, but we've, we've got to get there. When we get these episodes that just seem like filler episodes, almost episodes have nothing to do with that. They tend to kind of make me mad. This episode has nothing to do with that, but this is a really good episode. Like I enjoyed this episode and this episode has a high rewatch value. I watched this episode three times once to do the, the watches video a second time to take my notes and, and, and re up some stuff. But then I watched the third time just cause I wanted to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't usually do that. Like, cause we, I, we got stuff to do, frankly, <laughs> and yeah. we got to move on. But I just, I really enjoyed this. This had a, a lot of, uh, if you go back and watch it again, you see where the clues are dropped. 
you know, which is, that's the mark of good TV. If you miss it the first time, but then, you know, and you go back and see it, then you know what it is. That's it's, it's just so it's so good. It's, it's a great, almost like a whodunit type of episode or a, who are you or a, a CSI or I like, I don't, I don't know what kind of episode this really is, but it was just a lot of fun. You know, um, it, it was, it was good TV, man. Good TV. And, uh, We'll talk about all the Wither 2s and Y4s, but Jeff, overall, what did you think? I really enjoyed this one, too. I enjoyed it the first time around, also. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. But I think, kind of to your point, we've been pretty cruel. No, that's not fair. We've been very honest in this second season about the episodes that we've watched. And people have taken great umbrage with a number of our ratings on these things. But I think this episode in a microcosm. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jeff, if I could jump in. Yeah. Yes, lots of people have taken umbrage, but I've also been surprised at how many people like will watch this with us and kind of go, "Oh yeah, this one really isn't that great either." <laughs> like, yeah, there's well, been there's been that collective too. <laughs> absolutely, because we it's it's the 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 we have two a bunch of lenses we look at this through. One of us one of them is the lens of nostalgia, right? Oh my gosh, I remember this so fondly. It's so great. But the other one that you and I can't have in any way is the lens of having seen the whole series. This is amazing because of what it turns into. Yeah. But this episode, Divided Loyalties, this was a cool story. It was shocking. It was exciting. But I think more than that, I appreciated it just because this was so well constructed and Mm -hmm. it was so well acted, especially Claudia Christian. Ivanova in this episode, this is a high watermark for her. So, so good. There's the, the way they were trying to point the finger at Ivanova so hardcore immediately lets you know it's not Ivanova. So you you didn't know who it was. I didn't see it coming. I and 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 to get a reveal about Ivanova that explains why they keep pointing the finger at her and she looks guilty. And to have have the fact that she's a latent telepath be the reveal. Like I didn't see that coming at all. I figured Garibaldi Sheridan, Franklin, they'd be called the telepath long before Ivanova. Like she's bottom of the list. Yeah. Yeah. But her mother was a telepath. She had the, like, she's got the, the, if, if it's genetically passed on, which we know that they do that, right? Because like they try to put a them together. So her mother's there. She absolutely refuses. She has a pure hatred over what they do. There's, there's a little bit of fear. I think that goes into that, but that's also, this will recolor every episode having to do with Ivanova, particularly the ones where she's dealing with anything having to do with Psychor. Yeah, I imagine her sitting at that table with Harem and Gray in eyes, mm-hmm. right? And especially where he's trying to connect with her. That through this experience, that's an entirely different scene. Entirely different. Yeah. And and that reveal just works. It works with everything that came before. I don't know if this was something, and somebody out there is going to comment and let us know. And I'm okay with this one, I think. I don't know if JMS had this particular character piece of Ivanova planned. My guess is, knowing how well thought out he had the entire series, this this is something he knew way early. And I don't know if he told Claudia Christensen hmm. or if he just told her here. or like I, like, I don't know at what point she knew this. Like, you know, it, it's like when they were filming the Harry Potter movies, like, JK went and told Alan Rickman what the whole deal with Snape was, even though like only book four was out and she swore him to secrecy and and he held that secret all the way throughout. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, he was the only one outside of her who knew what Snape's deal was. 
until we until we got the reveal of that much later in the series. But I got to I, I have to compare it. I'm going to burn my first Star Trek reference here, Jeff. This one tracks unlike an entire retcon of Dr. Bashir in Deep Space Nine, where they just decide to like, oh, look, he's genetically enhanced. And then you go back and you watch everything else and you're like, I kind of see it. But really? Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community. And you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. Yeah, they're like, he was pretending to be a moron through here to, to hide. Okay. Okay. I, Maybe. I mean, you go back and rewatch those early seasons and you're like, um, I, I know that I, I can see how you would, how you could maybe imply that that's what's going on, but sure, whatever. And then we just move on with it. Right. And this one, you go back, it tracks every single bit of the way through. So I, I love that along with being absolutely surprised about Ivanova. I was absolutely shocked that it was Talia. Yeah. Did not see Talia. I did not see it being Talia walking through that door, getting the completely. It was, and it was out of nowhere. What I loved about it being out of nowhere is like, this is a whodunit, but even the one who done it didn't know they did it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that nobody knew the whole time. And so you, you can't even piece together any of those things of like, well, this person was acting pretty weird or what. None of that's there, Mm -hmm. but I am so appreciative that they, there were two really important flashbacks in this episode. And that's not a tool. That's not a tool that's been used in Babylon five. So, you know, this is like beating us over the head. One was in regards to Ivanova, where we got the flashback to Sheridan's vision, where she was black and white and had the Raven thing going and is like, do you know who I am? So that's all that's going to be, I mean, big enough. I got a flashback, but the other one was when, um, that the Vicar, and Kosh yeah. set that deal up and then they sold, they sold the, the data crystal. So I think Kosh has known this. Mm-hmm. That was the thing, right? What What's in there? Horror, terrifying stuff for the future. Cause he's got a data crystal with her little fake personality on it. That's it, it's amazing to think that he even had that thought to check like, her out. Cause he wouldn't have done that unless he knew that that's something that Psychor was doing. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't, it show a limit on Kosh's, powers and abilities that he couldn't just pick that up. He, he couldn't just know it, but he had to go get somebody who could, so he could retrieve it. And I, or maybe he did know, and he just needed to, some way to record it or so. I don't know. That's what I think. And I think maybe it's one yeah. of those things where he might know it, but you got to confirm it and to confirm it, you need someone to interrogate off of, and then someone who can record it for him. But I think also maybe what it is little theory we've talked about a couple of times we've asked if 
Psychor knows about the shadows. Yeah. Right. And if there's any collusion there, I think that they disabused us of our, our theory that the, that the Vorlon and the shadows are one in the same, you know, the sure. Vorlon, yeah, yeah. our first ones, shadows are, are older, but what if Psychor reached out to the Vorlon? It, like when they were trying to, I'm guessing it was Psychor that did the reach out and maybe that's stupid of me, but what if they're just looking for more powerful races they can work with and they tried with the Vorlon and maybe, so they have a, a hint. Oh, maybe they're trying this uh, personality thing out. I don't know. Did you catch what they called the personality? No, what? Control. Did they? And you remember control, right? That's what they called it? Because I said this in the, I said this in the Burnt Watches episode, but I missed that. Because I was like, because I was like, I was trying to figure out like what, and, and we can have this conversation, but what's going to happen? Where's Talia going? Because at the end of the episode, they didn't lock her up. They didn't put her in jail. They didn't put her on her transport ship. They didn't kill her. They just let her go back, you know, riding first class on the next transport out of here. Like, what's that all about? So what's going on with, with Talia next? Um, and I was, I was trying to spin some things. And I was like, maybe she's going back to San Diego and she's going to work with that control and, and, and all that. But I didn't think that she would be control. So I, I, I spent a little, time, that is. a little bit of time because Lita said it was code name control. So I don't know if her personality is code name control or if the uh-huh. project was code name control, because in the episode where the Mars first guy and we got introduced to bureau 13, they ordered him to kill her like go kill Talia. Right. If she was control control, I don't think she would order herself to kill herself. Right. So I think that control might be the name of the project and not necessarily her, um, her personality. But my guess is that you're right. She's going to go back to San Diego and what we're going to start seeing is, is it, is it possible that of all the different people they put this personality in, it's the same personality across all of them. And that personality is control. That would make sense. I think. You have control control that's in San Diego, I'm guessing. Probably, you know, maybe up in La Jolla or somewhere really nice. <laughs> if there's any anywhere nice left there. And uh and then there's like little mini controls that are put out, you know, all around just waiting. Is Talia I'm sorry, is Talia one of the thirteen or thirty one or whatever it is? Oh wow. Yeah, maybe that was the reference. There's yeah, those different agents that are all part of control. So here's the thing, because what this immediately makes me go back to, and I'm going to, I'm going to dive real far down the deep space nine rips off Babylon five conspiracy train. And this isn't about deep space nine. So I don't get a buzz. Okay. But one, well, actually, yeah, I guess I do. Uh, One of the writers of deep space nine was a guy named Ronald D Moore. Ronald D Moore goes on to do the reboot of Battlestar Galactica in the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. The premise of the show, is that you have these bad robots who now look exactly like you and me, and they are exactly basically what Talia was, complete Manchurian candidate type deal, don't even know who they are, and there's like eight of them out there, or like eight different models or something like that, or I don't I don't exactly remember how many, maybe there's 13, but they look exactly like us, and it's only once they have like a trigger that awakens them that they come to life and know who they are which is what this is. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of going into the so-and-so rips off so-and-so like I just don't like going there, but I mean, this, the, I mean, they're Cylons. That's what it looked like to me. I was like, these guys are Cylons. 
it's Cylons minus the, what do they call it? The rebirthing process or whatever they had where they would, because they were all, you had the number six line and the number eight line. Yeah. And yeah, this yeah. is just people out there. It's almost worse than being robots. And I don't think it counts as a reference. That was a Battlestar Galactica. Thank you. Reference. So I'll take I'll it. Give you that, which is a good one. But I think that that concept of putting pieces of yourself mm-hmm. in others to be activated at different times isn't unique e- even to Battlestar Galactica or this. It, there's That's chunks fair. of that in Dune that, that, that they touch, especially unlocking old mm-hmm. ancestral memories or even like having you out in, you know, billions of sandworms that are out there. So it's yeah. not a new concept to sci-fi. They've all had a little bit of a different take on it. This is the first time I think though, I've seen it done as like, you're a sleeper agent as a person and you don't even know. Yeah. Don't even know. And like what I found really interesting was they said, there's the person and their personality. There's this other personality that they wrote in and it destroys the real personality. And this fake personality takes over. Here's my question. Does anything of the original personality survive? Because Ivanova comes in at the end. She's trying to talk to her. Like if there's any part of you, like does, <laughs> all right, folks out there, people that get this reference, Jeff won't. Does anything of the host survive? Even, even though they're like, no, she's completely gone. She's out of here. Is there, are we going to get Talia coming back saying, uh, you know, fighting for control of her body? between these two personalities. Have you ever gone on a long road trip with somebody before a few times? Yeah. A long road trip with somebody that doesn't listen to the same kind of music that you do. Yes. And then after that road trip, you might find yourself listening to a little bit of that music. Yes. Afterwards. Yeah. So that's how I look at this personality. Like it's sitting in that person's brain going along for the ride, experiencing all the things that person experiences, listening Mm -hmm. to stuff and participating in it. There's a little bit of that. It's going to hold on and stick even with the new personality. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because, and I mean, and that's, and that's uh that's a, okay. So we'll pivot to this. Apparently there's a relationship, like a romantic relationship between Ivanova and Talia. What does that track through all the other episodes that we've seen? It tracks. So here's the thing. It tracks beat for beat perfectly in this episode. Yes. But I don't, even way back, I think one of the last times we saw them together was when Talia went to confide, confide in Ivanova, took her right. badge off, right? That's, that's part of what prompted me to guessing what this episode was going to be about. They got drunk together and talked, had a girl talk. Like, that's what it seemed like to me. So funny thing, on the second time I watched this episode, I watched it with my wife. And she has uh-huh. watched maybe a grand total of six minutes of Babylon 5 since we've started this podcast. It's just mm-hmm. Hasn't resonated for her. And so she was in and out coming back and forth. And I paused it for some reason at some point. And I told her how brilliant the scene was between Ivanova and Talia. It was the one where Talia had just gotten out of the shower. Ivanova was wearing her silk nightie and they were kind of talking the scene where like they kind of leaned in and I was a hundred percent sure they were going to kiss. Yeah. Like, they're they're going to kiss. And so I said, this is brilliant. The way they put this together, the way they're like, this wasn't a first kiss. No, this wasn't like a, Hey, we're starting this. Like this was something they'd been doing because I, I know for me personally, like I, I, first I see, I see Ivanova in like her little silky nightgown and, and I didn't think too much about it. Then it flashed over to Talia and she comes out, she's got the wet hair and she's, she's doing the thing where she's drying it off a little bit off to the side with the little head cocked over and she's a little smile. And she's also in these silk 
nighty pajamas. Now I've, I've never been to a girl's sleepover. I know what my wife wears to bed and there's other, listen, everybody out there is different. Wear whatever you want to bed or wear whatever you don't want to bed. I, whatever, different people, different strokes for different folks. The only time that I've seen silky pajamas like that is when stuff's about to happen. And there's a mission. Stuff has happened. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And she's, I mean, but she's got, she's just got that look on her face and, like I saw it, I was like, wow, this is really weird. It looks like they're kind of like whatever. And then they just go to talk. I didn't think anything about it. But then she's like, was this the part where she's like, you're the only one I trust? And they go to mm-hmm. lean in. And I was like, oh, my gosh, are they going there with this? And and I want to be clear about my like my my uh, surprise. I didn't see this. Com- like this was not something that seemed seated to me at all. They did this in 1995. Yeah. Like, wow you know <laughs> yeah it was it's a, and that's why i was saying this is so brilliant because in 1995 you could not show same sex but relationships or attractions and if you did it had to be very clearly two very flamboyant men like it had to be you know check all the boxes well, of a stereotype you you could you could also hide it in the other person is androgynous and choosing to go one way or the other there was the episode of, of Next Generation, which we look at through today's eyes, and you think that person's trans. In those eyes, that person, this really was a a uh, male female homosexual choosing choosing your love conversation is what that was. Or or you look at the one where he actually had, and I think Deep Space Nine is credited with the first female female kiss. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. It is. But even in that situation, I've always felt like that cheat that that particular scene shortchanged the impact of a lesbian kiss on TV for the first time, because the personalities that were in love were in a male female relationship from a previous life. And that's what was reflecting. So it wasn't necessarily these two people specifically as much as the old people that was in a heterosexual relationship. Like that's the only way that they got away with that back in the nineties. You know, I mean, today we just be like, awesome. Thank you. Uh, today we'd be like, Hey, awesome. No problem. Well, I think that's the thing with Star Trek. Like I want to, I want to, I want to credit and discredit Star Trek at the same time. Right. So they had the first female, female, you know, gay kiss, the two, two, two women kissing. They also had the very first interracial kiss. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Great. Both of those things were groundbreaking for television, but yes. they were both done. Like you said, based on a male, female relationship prior from deep space nine. And in the original series, it was under the duress of like alien pressure, making them do the thing. And literally it only happened because William Shatner purposely blew every take along the way. So they had to use the one where they awkwardly kissed each other. The story of that is hilarious by the way. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, because that's, it's, it's literally the star Trek, star Trek folks going, this is ridiculous. We should just be able to do this. And the, the network people standing there like, no, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and Shatner right. being like, okay, fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll do it again. Oops. Uh, oops. Did this. Oh, this is the only good take you've got. Yeah. But I think in this case, like we watched this, I mean, so it was in a time when you couldn't show these things, but he did. And he did it in such a brilliant, brilliant way. My point I was making with my wife watching this was to me because we know Talia because we know Ivanova and we know the world, you know, we know the scarcity economy that they're living in. So you don't just wear a silk nighty all the time. Mm-hmm. That's a special occasion thing. Cause it's going to wear out and there might not be another one in your future. So I explained this to my wife and she's like, 
yeah, it's just two girls hanging out. Like it's just girl talk. And I was just like, to me, it showed the kind of the subtle, like espionage ish way that he snuck this little relation. JMS mm-hmm. stuck snuck this up, this uh, relationship in, which was great, but it also showed me how powerful the character development and world building has been that for you, for me, having watched this now for what are we at? Almost 40 episodes of this. We're like, I know these people and these behaviors that are happening. This math only comes up with one, one solution. The way I, I do the equation. I, you know, the part where it sealed it for me, because frankly, like, I, I mean, my brain was just going, it's like, this isn't a relationship. They're not in a relationship. They're, they're just, cause it, I do not believe that this has been set up since the beginning. They had drinks one time and got drunk and now they're trying to just be friends. You know, like, like they, they've got some camaraderie. I never saw this going anything further than that. Where it sealed it for me was that scene where Talia rolls over and she reaches out in bed for Ivanova. And you and I were texting a little bit and, and you had reminded me, you're like, yeah, Ivanova doesn't have an extra bed. They had to be sleeping in the same bed because I was like, was she sleep? Was she reaching out for Ivanova or was it just, it was an empty, she was in the guest room and you know, it was whatever. And like, no, 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 they're sleeping together. now. Uh, let's be that does not mean that two people of the same sex cannot sleep in the same bed and have it not be romantic 100 percent can do that but putting all the pieces together i'm just i i'm i'm floored like i'm flabbergasted by it you and i you and i brent we late we go on a road trip and we lay in in a hotel bed together and i wake up in the middle of the night and i'm like it doesn't feel like brent's in here with me i don't roll over to touch you I reach over and grab my iPhone and I flash the flashlight and I go, yeah, he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> That's platonic sleeping in bed together. Me as a telepath with no gloves on reaches that was over. The other thing. Yeah. I had that thought too. Yeah. yeah. Reaching over to be like where that, that, that was where I saw it in the first one. But on the second view, all the way from them having lunch, everything built to them clearly having a relationship. Absolutely. It did. Absolutely. So I just, you know, when things come out of left field like this, and I, I mean, if this was going to be something that they had going forward, I think I'd be a little less surprised. I mean, this feels almost a little bit like, oh God, I'm going to use it again. This feels a bit like a Wharf Deanna thing or like a Chakotay seven of nine thing. Like I'm going to shove this in because Talia is clearly off the station now, unless she's going to be a, a, a regular cast member as a bad guy, which I don't know that that's going to be the case or, you know, is this setting up? Ivanova going after Talia and and that's a part of the storyline going forward now. Are we going to even see Talia again? Like what what's going on with Talia? Where is she going? I think at most she'll be back as a villain and I don't think Ivanova's going to chase after her. Ivanova shut her down at the end of this episode. Yeah. Like I feel like the relationship was put in there to build to the end like they never went there with Garibaldi and Talia. They never went yeah. there. And to go there with the stuff he's dealing with would have been too, a lot, it would have been a whole lot. So to go there with Ivanova was more casual and whatever. And it set up that last scene where evil Talia could come and just, I mean, I'm just going to say, just be a huge bitch to Ivanova. I mean, she was so mean oh and cruel. Yeah. And that had to like be the exclamation point on like, Talia's dead. Long live Talia. I, again, what did they do with Talia? I mean, they didn't kill her. They didn't, they, she's not long lived. Like she's still alive out there somewhere. Um, but here's the thing. I, and, and I really, please don't answer this. Don't spoil it. Let the mystery be there. Did what's her, Andrea Thompson, right? That's her name. Yes. Is she off the show? Like, is this her leaving the show? You know, cause we know she's not in every episode. 
And she's only in like what 10 episodes a season, something like that, or at least so far. But here's the thing, what, what you were just saying, they're talking about evil, evil Talia. I have never really liked Andrea Thompson playing Talia. Okay. Talia has never grown on me. I've never liked her. Like she's been fine. I've not disliked her, but I've never liked her. You know, she kind of has felt like that over actor, like whatever they're, they're given to portray. And I honestly thought it was just cause Andrea Thompson wasn't a great actress until, until she goes evil. And I'm like, Oh my God, I want this Talia. I want this one. I want this one in the show. Cause she's so good at it. Like so good. Oh my gosh. I was, she was, she was evil and she was conniving and she was cold Yeah, and it came across and all of a sudden her hair's down and oh my gosh. I was like, that's what that character needs to be. I have a question. Okay. There could be other sleeper agents on Babylon five. hundred percent. Grab your cork board. Grab, grab. The, I, I have yarn for this cork board. I'm curious if oh, we got the you? same one. Yeah. Or do you? You go. Is Londo also a sleeper agent? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, 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 listen, what did Talia say to Ivanova there at the end? My good and dear friend, Ivanova. Huh. What does Londo say all the time? Right. My good and dear friend, Garibaldi. My good and dear friend, Sinclair. She, I mean, she said it exactly the way that Peter Jurisic says it, only wow. without the accent to it. My good and dear friend, Ivanova. Huh. I did not pick up on that. Ah, now I, I'm just saying, could put put the red string here and then run it over here, and you got to ask yourself, is Londo a sleeper agent? I don't think because Psychor had to have had them for a period of time to do their stuff. When would when? Well, I don't know. Londo did a lot of stuff. Maybe we've known the Centauri for a while at this point. So it's possible. Here's my, here's my red string on that one. Okay. Okay. So they say that this personality, even before it became active would do anything to protect itself. And that was a lot of what they leveled at Ivanova, right? Right, Well, it's just, you know, of course you're, you're, you're poo pooing this stuff. Why wouldn't it also activate to protect itself once it's activated? So Garibaldi, Garibaldi, Plays his little trick, which was brilliant, right? When she gives him the pain eyes, and then he's like, oh. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. Not for a second. I didn't buy it because it was Garibaldi. Because <laughs> it was Garibaldi, I didn't buy it for a second. So here's, but here's my thing. And, and again, I don't, I don't buy it at all either, but I've just got to put the yarn up there because it tracks. Why wouldn't the personality protect itself with comedy? Oh, no, I was just kidding. <laughs> I'm still totally hidden. Still here. You know what move I absolutely loved in that scene though was when he handed his PPG to Sheridan right before it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's probably a good move right yeah, there. Yeah, that's smart. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Can we talk about a few side things for a moment? Totally. Um okay, can I get can I give a harsh criticism of the episode? Yeah. On a production level, the sound mixing in this episode is god awful. Yeah. Like there are places where the audio is right here. And then all of a sudden it goes down to here and it's within the same scene. And there, there are places where like you can tell they're cutting between takes and the audio levels are just all over the place. There are times when you just, you can't hear Ivanova at all. And then she sounds really super crystal clear. Like I I'm a sound guy by training, uh, trade, not training by trade. I'm a sound guy. I don't, I've done a lot of different stuff, but uh, it just stood out to me because I was watching this episode first through headphones. 
Okay. So it was really like I was right here and could hear when all those changes took place. And uh, uh. anyway, Dylan and Sheridan, can we just say that they are so cute at this point? Can I read you my note on them? Yes, please. Please do. Dylan and Sheridan sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Totally. They're just like these yeah. little like preteen little flutter and love. Uh-huh. The little butt versus butt conversation. That was, was so good. Yeah. It was so funny. She said, I'm mean, this needs to be. I don't know if this is a t shirt. Maybe this is a, a bumper sticker. He says, You have the damnedest gaps in your vocabulary. I'm going to start using this with my kids. <laughs> you have the damnedest gaps in your vocabulary. <laughs> she doesn't know what a butt is. You know what's huge to me, though, in that phrase alone? Yeah. We're Star Trek guys, right? Yeah. And so everything for us is through a translator and everyone's speaking whatever language they want and, and they're hearing whatever. Here, I'll hit it. <laughs> There's no translators in Babylon 5, which means Jakar, Londo, the Markab guy, Delen, they they learned English or whatever. Or speaking the, the common language tongue is. or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me adds a layer to the complexities of like the diplomacy stuff going on. Yeah. But it was a cute scene. It was I'm all I, I, I I've said it before. I, I I haven't been for very much Delen and Sheridan, but I'm I'm really starting to warm up to it. See, and that's when they're slow rolling this one. Like, there's no way when, whenever they inevitably get together, because I think they're they're gonna have to. We're not gonna be able to learn and say, where did this come from? They're seeding it in various places. We've seen it. We saw it in the last episode where uh, she called him John for the first mm-hmm. time. Like, they're they're taking it. They're taking those steps. Okay, another scene when Sheridan and Garibaldi are in the men's room, <laughs> and he's sweeping for bugs while they're talking about trees. And more trees and just talking about trees and trees and trees and trees. But he's sweeping for bugs. That was that was great. I, I thoroughly right about the time I was like, wow, he's really talking about trees a lot. And then I understood what was going on. I think my favorite part of that scene though was the Pac Marah who walks out of the stall, just like, All right, now I'm feeling good. Let's go do this. <laughs> was he shaking? Is that uh, getting well, it off? We've all had yes, that, did. you know, that walking out of the stall and being like, all right, that's good. I'll spring in my step now. I think that's right. probably neat. Back to Delenn just super quick. Oh, yeah. There was that scene where they're recycling the universe today. Oh, yeah. The newspaper. I thought it was kind of cool. You recycle one to get one. It's kind of neat. But And they charge you a credit. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it does a face scan. It's like, hey, we got your credit. Well, what would you like today? What do you want in your news? I thought that was cool. It was like. It was like a neat little like personalized news page, but on paper, because that's what we had back in 95. Yeah. And the the recycle flap was yeah. just a silly little piece of plastic, like nothing awesome. <laughs> they just slapped a sticker on it. So so here's a question. Okay, we we've discussed how and, and we've learned the Babylon five seasons occur each over the course of a year, which means like, like in last season finale, it was New Year's Eve. And, mm-hmm. you know, then we started at the beginning of the year. And so now we're talking and we're towards the end of the season. They're talking World Series. So in the future, baseball is still being played and the World Series is still in October, November. October. Yeah, that's what it looks and like. That's, so that's where we are in the year right now is, you know, right around Halloween, Thanksgiving. Well, we know we know that baseball is still a thing because dude back in the other episode was talking about the Dodgers. And how when they play on Mars, it's not fair because the, the right. gravity is all different. So, but right. yeah. And we saw Sheridan taking batting practice, mm-hmm. you know, the other day. So totally a thing. Did you notice? So a couple of things with the though, that stood out to me. One, yeah. 
she acknowledged that really horrible interview that she had and and now for a word. She said, hey, you know, this press that you have, it's both confusing and troubling. (laughs) Right. Because on Minbar, we are only told what we are required to know and nothing more. So the whole concept of having a reporter was totally foreign to her. And I remember when we recorded our discussion on that one, I even said, I'm like, God, I hope they come back to this because it was she was totally ambushed. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you said that because I didn't remember that interview until you brought it up. Because I was, I was thinking maybe there was just something from the gathering or something like way a long time ago that I just didn't remember. But yeah, no, it turns out it was just a couple episodes ago. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was very, it was very recently. Yes, <laughs> but also that she talked about she's getting that uh, eye on Minbar column <laughs> right. in there. Right. I think that she gets that because she's not getting the news feed from Gray, the Gray Council. Yeah, only told what you're required to know and nothing else. And now that you're not Satai, you don't need to know a whole bunch of stuff. So she's got to read the Earth newspaper essentially mm-hmm. to know what's going on on Minbar. Okay, I guess I, I I only have one reference left, right? No, you have none. And I, I have, have none. I have two left. No, I have one left. You have, we have one, one left? left between us. You can I can I use yours? You may have it. Can I use yours? Okay. Hey Jeff. Hey Brent. How long does an elevator ride on Babylon Five last? How long? Just like in Star Trek, as long as the conversation needs. Right. <laughs> turbo turbo lift rides only last as long as the conversation has requires it to, right? Like and that's exactly what happened in this one. Like there's no like, oh, how do I end this thing? It's like, no, it ends because the door's just opened. Right. And now I get to walk away. Delenn, um, I think this is my last one on Delenn, was uh when Lee Alexander reached out to her, she was recording like her ambassador's log and she was talking about opening trade negotiations with the Lumati, but she wanted to pause for a second. But oh, Lita's calling. Order. I bet they were ready to seal the deal, and she wasn't okay with sealing the deal with the Lumati. Oh, that's what the Lumati was. It was that uh-huh. dude. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Okay. Okay. Wow, you got. I'm gonna have to think about that now. Oh. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh. Okay. Uh. Hey, Lita. Does she look younger to you than she did last time? Because like in this episode, she looked like she was about 20 something years old. I I remember her being like 40 something from the gathering. Like It's pretty incredible what a hairstyle can do. She had that right? in, in the gathering. She had like that harsh, short kind of red hair thing going a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then it was a darker, it was still reddish and you know, a, a, to it. But it was more longer. of a bob. Yeah. It was, it was healthy and well-conditioned hair. Like she, she was cute. Like she looked healthier. I mean, yeah. despite being on the run and whatever, like she just looked having blood coming out of her nose at some yeah. point. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Last question that y- you'll get from me. Oh no, no, actually I have two. I'm sorry. But here's, here's one. Lita goes to do the thing on Ivanova. She goes, she's blocking me. Can non telepaths block a telepath? And I mean, cause wouldn't Talia now know that, uh, Ivanova is a, is a latent telepath and shouldn't Lita also know that Ivanova is a latent telepath because of that stuff? Like I'm pretty sure that yes, you and I and Ivanova and Sheridan with some mental discipline could block a certain level of scan. Okay. I think, right. You know, I I think just about what humans are capable of even now, you know, and, and, and this time not to mention, you know, way up in the 23rd century, I think you could have the mental discipline if you wanted to, and it would check out for Ivanova that she would go through whatever meditation things she'd need to, to be able to block a telepath. Mm. I think it checks out. Okay. 
the next thing I want to, I want to ask you about the, this, this is going to go back to your leadership stuff, Jeff. Okay. Let's talk Sheridan leadership. He's talking with Garibaldi and Ivanova and he says, we cannot be a team with this hanging over our heads. Ivanova is clearly pushing back. Ivanova clearly doesn't want to do this, but he's at like, he's right. We can't be a team if this is hanging over our heads. He comes to a solution. And then later on, he's protecting Ivanova from this whole thing. He's like, no, we're going to make her the last one. Like he gets it. He understands it. I think there is a message here that might dip a little bit more into the, the messages later, but I wanted your take specifically on this move by Sheridan and how he's dealing with Ivanova, but also Garibaldi and his team. So those literally are my closing thoughts. Okay. So I'll cover it there. Okay, yeah. great. Uh, the do- Oh, the other thing I had was the doors. Have you ever noticed how the doors open and shut on Babylon five? Yeah. The weird hinged sideways thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, they go upside like they're a Lamborghini door or something. <laughs> yeah. Caught in the wall. I caught that the first time. Um, oh, I forget it, but where Garibaldi was making some joke about how great he was with computers. And then he wasn't so great with it when they were going to set up some, you know, some scan thing for somebody. Yeah. Back a while ago, I noticed that first time. So my my last question for you. Yeah. What do you think Lita saw when she saw Kosh? Is it a drug? Is there some sort of, uh, does this hit the hippo, hippocampus of the brain? Because what she says is she goes into this thing and she hears the music. Now, remember when Sheridan went in the hot box and he got all the music? He's like, well, the Gregorian chant, which is awesome. And she she she's like, She's like, hey, can I, can, 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 can I see some more of that? Can, can I, before I leave? Like, can I, can I, can I, Kosh? Like, it's a, whatever it is, it's addictive. But remember what Kosh said. It's like, the reason he has to wear the encounter suit is because if anybody saw him, they would recognize him. Who? Everyone. I, I'm trying to connect that line with this apparently addictive thing that Lita keeps talking about. And why is it the delinquency it and be cool with it? I don't know. It was like they, they spent a good chunk of time zooming in on her eyeball, showing his reflection. And it was just a halo, right? She was, she was literally staring into my ring light that I have up here. <laughs> I had that same thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, she's on a zoom call. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Right. Like but, here. Get real close on the, on the, for the YouTube folks. Yeah. That's Kosh in your eyeball. I can see him. But I think, I, I think what it almost is, is whatever you see is what you would think you would want to see. Like whatever, whatever your version of God is right. And ain't a halo. Like she kind of sees a halo. You see that whatever's most meaningful to you. If you ever saw an angel, wouldn't you want to see that again? And wouldn't you do what you needed to do to see that again? If you gazed into the eyes of the Buddha, would you, I mean, I don't know. Well, That's I don't, kind you, of my you say an angel. I've kind of always, every time, uh, every time anybody ever sees an angel, they're always freaked out. So I don't know that I really want to see an angel. <laughs> like, That's a really good point. They always have, do not be afraid. Do not, hey, we're don't be cool. Afraid. I'm good. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to eat you. I, the way you describe it to me, honestly, and I, I'll reference my other fandom now. It's like Babylon five's version of the mirror of era said, like, do you, do you know what that is? Do you know mm-hmm. that reference? So in, in Harry Potter, it's a mirror that shows you only what your innermost desire is. That's where Harry's hanging out with his parents. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 The mirror of Eriset, which is if you spell desire backwards, it's Eriset. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get it. Get it. Huh? It's something. It's definitely something. And again, I I'm trying to connect these threads. Cause like you, I'm like, what is this? What are we seeing here? Uh, I can't wait to find out. I've heard comments that we will before the end of the show is done. And that's about as spoilery as I've, 
just to tell me your questions will be answered is as far spoiler as I need it to be. I think we're closer. So end of season one, we got a, a hint that he could be seen here. Yeah. We're at the end of season two. He got to be seen. You know what I mean? I, I feel like, I feel like the metronome is speeding up and pretty soon we're going to, we're going to get to see him also. All right, Jeff. Well, let's get there. Let's hit that part of the show where it's time to boil it down and see if the show has any of that Star Trek quality to it. Is there a deep moral message? Is it holding up a mirror to society? Are we going to be better in the future? Jeff, you're going to rate this episode on a scale of zero to five deltas as far as that. I'm going to take Star Furies as far as just how much we like the episode, how Babylon 5 was it. Jeff, what you got for us? This episode was a lot of plot, right? A lot of story going on, and there wasn't a lot of opportunity for a message or a lesson in it. But it really came down like the big meat in this one uh-huh. was what we talked about a little earlier. Sheridan trusting Ivanova and and bringing his team together in the face of unbelievable, you know, I mean, like literally the worst, the worst thing, you know, betrayal from from within. What it has to do to me is that magic that happens when you build a relationship where you communicate all the time and you do so in a way built on respect on trust and where you actually have those really difficult conversations. I think that's one of the biggest roles that a leader plays when you're leading a team is acknowledging the elephant in the room and making it okay for people to talk about that elephant. And Sheridan does that. He brings Ivanova and Garibaldi together. He manages Garibaldi's understandable freak out about things. But the real thing here is the fact that he Sheridan Ivanova's boss essentially mm-hmm. trust her trust her as a person trust her as a prof- as a professional he doesn't second guess her when i feel like he would have supported her even if she hadn't shared that she was a latent telepath i have every reason to believe he still would have done everything he could to protect her her right. sharing that with him though is the reciprocation of that because they communicate because they trust because there's even though there is a hierarchy that is at work here they're still working together as a team and as equals. And that's what Star Trek is about. You know, Star Trek is about people coming together to support each other, to make each other feel safe and better so they can improve and make things better for other people. I mean, who wouldn't want a relationship like the kind that Sheridan and Ivanova and Garibaldi have? It's not, it's not what they had with Sinclair. That was friendship that they had. That was a really cool friendship. This is a level of professionalism between all three of them that I think only exists because it's Sheridan. What's hard to me though, is like, that was like six minutes of the episode at, t- at most, <laughs> but I still think it was super powerful. And I think it's really important. I'm going to give this one two deltas based on that mm. message alone. Yeah. I, the note that I had here was star Trek message possibility. Now let's see if they walk through the door mm-hmm. because I think we see that a lot in Babylon five of like, Oh, here's a place where they have an opening to actually make a comment on something. Let's see if they go there. Right. Mm -hmm. This episode had two of them to me. One of them was what you just went through. The other one was earlier where um, we're talking about Ivanova not wanting to be scanned. And you have this whole thing about uh, invasion of privacy. And should you do something to somebody, even if they don't want to do it, even if it's not, even if they don't know, because this felt like very Star Trek, like, Lita didn't actually need permission to do anything. She could have just walked around the station all day long and just gone doom, 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 and and nobody would have even known, you know. Yeah. And Lita's not even Psychor anymore. Like she ran away from Psychor, right? So 
why is she obeying the rules? I don't know. But this could have gone down that ma- that path of not violating somebody. Hmm. You know what I mean? Not at all where this episode went. But the door was there. But then you had this one of, oh, oh. Well, then there was the other one of, how do you tell people the truth you've been lying to for years? Ivanova struggling with that, right? Uh, people that really care about you won't turn you away. Again, you can pull that out. Is that what the episode was trying to say? No. You know, I, I think your rating of two deltas, like I want to say it's low, but I don't think you're wrong because this episode wasn't trying to tell those. Like you just sort of have to pull, you, you can, you can, yeah, you could pull that out, but it's definitely not what the writer was going for in this particular episode. And that's okay uh, because sometimes TV can just be good TV. The other one that, that I kind of got, and this is a Disney reference for me. I don't know how often I make that. I need to make more Disney references. Although we do have the awesome Aladdin one. I loved how Sheridan protected Ivanova in this episode. And I think that there is a message in here about depending on other people rather than hiding from them. And this kind of dovetails into the, how do you tell somebody the truth that you've been lying to for years? I'm going to turn to Elsa in the movie frozen. I have said this before. I will say it again. Um, I think that Elsa's father is the worst Disney father ever. Wow. Now, somebody out there is going to be like, oh, what about this one guy? No, I think it's Elsa's dad. Because what Elsa's dad wound up doing was he instilled fear and intimidation into his daughter when what she needed was she needed community and she needed love. And that's the whole message of Frozen, mm-hmm. right? Like, when she's going, let it go, let it go, let it go. Like, that whole piece is, I, I can't hide this anymore. I can't be on my own. The destruction that happens from isolation is is magnificent and i don't mean that in a good way like i mean it's it's just huge when ivanova finally decided to trust sheridan that's when she could be protected that's when she could have her needs met because she couldn't do it on her own she had to do this from a community aspect sheridan's looking at it from a team working aspect but ivanova she had to she had to get there that being said i'm gonna give this one a four star fury rating because this was, it, it did this thing in a Babylon five way and it was just good TV. You know, it, this wasn't coming in bonking you over the head with some big moral message. That's not at all what this episode was. This episode, I think is a, this episode's about one of two things. Either one, they're furthering a plot about what's happening here with Psychor. And I really hope that's what it is. It also could just be Andrea Thompson's leaving the show and this is how they're writing her off. We're going to devote a whole episode to just how do we get her off the station? Like, you know, I don't actually, and maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. I don't know. But yeah, I'm going to go four star fears because it was good. It's just a good episode. And in a season that has been full of a lot of meh episodes, Jeff, we've been pretty harsh on the season. Mm-hmm. We might've been more harsh than we really needed to be. I would say the season has had more meh than it has blech. There's been, certainly been some blech, but it's had more meh. And this one was a, Hey, I think also this one was so just well put together. Like this is a, it's, it's artful, artful television. I mean, the sound engineering piece aside, but just the, uh, that's, that's production. That's technical. That's, that's not art. That's just technical. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But I just, the, the storytelling, the acting, I mean, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. what a high point of act for everybody through this whole thing. This was, I really enjoyed this episode, but Brent now season two, this is where, this is where you got to make the tough decision because we are generating episode by episode 
the definitive, accurate, objectively correct ranking of all the episodes in this, the second season of Babylon 5. Our top five currently. At number one, The Coming of Shadows. Number two, A Race Through Dark Places. Number three, In the Shadow of Zaha Doom. Number four, All Alone in the Night. And number five, Confessions and Lamentations. Brent, where do you put Divided Loyalties? As this, at this current spot, feels like a very, I don't want to say one-off episode, but it feels outside of the, the overall story that they're trying to tell. Maybe it's inside because it's furthering something else. This season is supposed to be about the coming of shadows, not the sneaky handedness of Psychor. Okay. So these episodes that deal with the big hit pieces of what's going on with the shadows, these, these big marquee pillar episodes, I think are naturally going to stand out coming of shadows, race through dark places, Zaha doom all alone in the night. Right. And then we have episodes like Confession and Lamentations and Hunter Prey, which specifically Confessions and Lamentations last week, we just talked about it's an important episode. Yeah. It's not necessarily an episode I ever really want to watch again. That said, this episode becomes my new number five. Wow. Okay. It, 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 I really, really enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed it more than Hunter Prey. I definitely enjoyed it more than Knives and Soulmates. Soulmates was fun. It was goofy. This one was good TV. I don't know that it cracks that top four conglomerate of what the season is supposed to be about and where we go. But yeah, I'm going to place this in at number five. Well, just for a little note, Soulmates that spent a lot of time in the top five for us is now barely in the top 10. Why? Yeah, oh, it's, no, well, it's down to like eight or something now. It's right? at number nine now. Nine? Oh, man. That just shows don't let, it, like, don't let it fall out of the I top know. 10. I like that episode. <laughs> Well, Brent, that's it for divided loyalties. And let's, uh, let's kind of see where we think things are going to land for soulmates because next week we're watching the long twilight struggle for the first time. We've never seen these episodes before. We're not watching ahead. We're not reading ahead. We're not looking ahead. We're just looking at the titles. Brent, based on the title alone, what do you think the long twilight struggle is going to be about? I've been saying for a while now that this that we've got to get back to the Narden Centauri War, that we've got to have the redemption of Londo Malari, that we've got to have all of this sort of stuff. I don't think we're going there this week. The, what, what's this called? The Long Something Twilight? The Long Twilight Struggle. Sparkly Vampires. This one is about sparkly vampires. <laughs> so this uh, one ruins an entire mythology is what you're saying? Yes, yes, <laughs> pretty much. I think that's exactly what this is going to do is it will ruin the long twilight struggle. My, my gut instinct says that this goes to Delenn. This is a Delenn episode and she's struggling with her new, like she's had this new identity for about a year now Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a struggle there. That's, that's where my broken compass wants to point right now. And maybe this is where, not where they come together, come together, but where she and Sheridan like click. Like it's not just, um, it's not just where like they trust hold- each other and grab each other by the face and the camera cuts away just before we get to the good stuff. And then Delenn rolls Are they wearing over silk pajamas. If we see Sheridan in silk pajamas, <laughs> then we know, then we know that's the, that's the Babylon five sign. <laughs> But maybe, yeah, maybe this is where like the, the culmination of this is that Sheridan supports her through this struggle and it ends with their kiss. Maybe. Oh yeah. Oh, it, 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 oh, rings of, um, tripping into Paul and that kind of like that private intimate 
mm-hmm. or getting into it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm going shadows on this one, but I'm going shadows. I'm for, it. I'm for the shadows. I've been I've been beating this drum, I think, since the episode, but yeah. Keffer, dude, Keffer's been looking for these guys in hyperspace for so long, and I think that he's going to find them. That, oh, yeah, because I actually have been doing something with him. Because what I was getting ready to say, Jeff, is, is I've noted from the comments a little bit of history of Babylon 5. Apparently, you might have actually told me this at one point. I, I don't remember. But apparently, Keffer was forced on JMS by the studio. Like, they wanted the hot shot, good-looking, chiseled chin dude. And the idea that, like, JMS would put him in and then not do anything with him is absolutely hilarious to me. Uh, so I kind of don't want it to be Keffer at all. But... You're right. They have seeded this whole thing with Keffer doing something out there. So that, that it, we're in, look, we're, what are we three episodes away? Yeah. So here's, here's my twist and here's the JMS giving it to the studio as well. Okay. He finds the shadows. He goes racing off to tell Babylon five about it and they kill him. It blow, he blow, they blowed up his ship and he dies or loaded up real good. huh? Or, you know, I'll say this about Keffer. He's got chiseled chin. Yeah. He's got great hair. You know who else has great hair? Delenn. Morden. Ooh. So maybe Keffer gets captured and he's given a choice. We'll kill you or you go full Morden with us. And he does. And that leads to a Morden, Keffer, and Anna all showing up with Sin- to Sheridan at the same time. <laughs> Okay, now I know I'm just I'm slapping on way too much peanut butter. You bring in Kemmer and you've got the you've got the quadfecta going on there. Right? That's what happened to her. Liana's off when like, yes, I will ask people what they want. They're like, no, we're just we're- What if that was the problem with Le- with, with with Liana? Was she's one of these uh shadow mind controlled people. Or not shadow controlled, but like the She's one of the latent personality yeah, people. That's, and that's it, what yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just was a bad program. <laughs> It's like the language center didn't quite connect. Right. She was one of the early, early test testers. Yeah. They're like, nah, just send her with the president. We're going to kill him anyway. Yeah. But before, so normally this is where we wrap and start going to other stuff. But Brent, I just one more time want to remind everybody we're just a few weeks away now from our season two wrap up. Come get the bad boy. Come on, come get Captain John Sheridan as an action figure, folks. For those of you listening, listening to this podcast, who can't see it. Brent's holding up. John Sheridan. Again, go to our YouTube. I'm saying this is that you're hearing the shaking of John Sheridan in his box. <laughs> it's like proof of life for the prize. <laughs> but my favorite thing, like here's why I would enter the drawing for this one. And I would enter that drawing by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever, good pods, wherever, writing a review, screenshotting that, sending it to us at Babylon First on Twitter or Babylon Five First at gmail.com. That's how I would enter. But I would do it. Because the little tiny Babylon five station that like literally fits in the figure's hand. Like he can beat people with the station. It's like his weapon. Keep swinging around. He's like, I'll show you gravitational rotations. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Hey, listen, we're going to find out next week. Just what the long twilight struggle is going to be about here in a couple weeks. We're going to wrap up all of season two, which will include Another touch on this episode, I'm sure. But I want to thank all of you for joining us today. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you're listening to us or if you're watching us on YouTube. And please, like I said, stop by Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever. Leave us that rating. Send us the screenshot so that you can be entered in the giveaway. Brent, until next time. Hey, Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, Brent. So uh, 
the air filtration system here in my house has kind of gone on the fritz. Yeah, no, no, no way. Uh, Brent, peace, peace, and long life. This is my first time.